Hello, my name is Sam Breakgear and welcome to the Sociable Podcast. In this episode, we will take a look at the US's budding cannabis industry, which took in over $6 billion of revenue last year and shows no signs of slowing down. To discuss this topic, I spoke with Michael Zaitsev, an award-winning entrepreneur, best-selling author and leadership coach. Using his corporate knowledge and history from working at Google and JP Morgan, Michael was able to transfer this skill set and combine it with his interest in America's growing cannabis scene. He now works as a strong advocate and pioneer in the US cannabis industry. He has presented TED Talks on the subject and has founded High NY, one of the world's largest cannabis meetup groups, in addition to contributing to many top-tier publications such as Entrepreneur and Forbes. I suppose if you want to start off um, by introducing yourself and also giving us a little bit of a background on um, your history in this industry and your current presence as well. Uh, sure. So my name is Michael Zaitsev, uh, commonly referred to as Mike Z. <laughs> my, I guess uh, right now... I'm I'm focused on a couple of different projects. Uh, you know, kind of the core focus is High NY, which is a community organization here in New York. Where um, for the last four years, we've been focused on building community, raising awareness about cannabis topics, and empowering people to become involved in cannabis issues. So the way we've done that has been through um, education and networking events primarily. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, that's kind of the main thing that takes my time. Uh, aside from that, I have a coaching business, which I work with entrepreneurs and professionals who are transitioning to entrepreneurship or just seeking greater fulfillment from work-life balance. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to that, I also uh, am an author, so I'm working on my second book, and I'm doing writing for Entrepreneur Magazine and a few other publications. Um, and I'm also a partner in a early-stage ag tech startup. Um, yeah, and uh, I have a little kitten. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, between all those things, I stay fairly busy. <laughs> What's your kitten's name? Rasta. Rasta. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And then uh, you asked uh, about my background. Yeah. So before, before I got into the cannabis industry, um, you know, I, I worked, I guess, what, what I would consider, like, pretty traditional corporate America jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, so first at J.P. Morgan, where I was a wealth management analyst, mm -hmm. and then uh, at Google, where I did enterprise software sales, um, and then kind of found my way into coaching first, um, and then as I was enjoying the additional freedom and entrepreneur's journey, uh, I kind of discovered the cannabis opportunity, which completely you know, enthralled me, and here I am almost <laughs> four and a half years later. That's awesome. Do you, so when you got into this industry, was it something that was still very much underground and waiting to, to I suppose, 
still come into its own, or was this at a time when it was becoming more, I suppose, prevalent in states like Colorado or other other kind of places? Yeah, sure. So when I first started, um, you know, I, I had I had worked at Google and J.P. Morgan in California, mm-hmm. where you know the the culture and the law and the everything was so far advanced compared to what I witnessed when I moved back to New York City, which is where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for me, that was kind of like, almost like I saw a geo-arbitrage opportunity where, you know, I was like, I saw the future in California. Mm-hmm. And then in New York at that time, it was, you know, we still didn't have even a medical cannabis law on the books. Mm-hmm. And when I first started organizing and producing these events, you know, people were scared to mm-hmm. even go. But, you know, they were like, well, I, I don't want to end up on a list. Yeah. I don't want people to, you know, and it was so crazy to me, but there was still so much fear and stigma. And, you know, so I, I think that it was still very much underground and even the people for whom cannabis is an important issue or a big part of their lives even they were you know very much not comfortable with owning that especially in any kind of public setting mm-hmm. you know, you, so that's my challenge to to fix that and ease that path do you feel that um the kind of stigma around it has changed and i suppose to what extent has it changed within within that kind of period of time that we're speaking from like then and now yes absolutely i'm 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 happy to say that it's changed a lot you know uh, now there's you know i and i think partially because of the media and because people are able to access real information about not only the medicine but also the real human stories of how this has affected people's lives and you know it's like Nowadays, there's, I, I don't think there's anyone in, in America who doesn't know someone who consumes cannabis in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not this big, scary thing. It's something that has become a little more acceptable and normal. And I think, you know, the, the data that I saw says that, like, over 90% of Americans support medical cannabis. Mm-hmm which is like probably the only thing 90% of Americans agree on. I I think there's been a huge positive shift Mm -hmm. and especially with, you know, senior citizens who probably can benefit from this plant more than most populations, you know, but they're traditionally more conservative folks and grew up during the heavy propaganda and, you know, oh, this is a narcotic. I, I think I've seen a lot more of them come around mm-hmm. uh, and and get relief and and get benefit. That all being said, I think there's a long, long way to go still because this stigma is institutional and mm-hmm. it's been institutionalized over decades. So to really undo that and to show people, uh, you know, that they're not even conscious of the stigma in many in many ways that, and even like I I can share a personal story that, you know, for me for a few years, like even after I embraced this work and kind of decided that doing this work was my life's purpose, Mm -hmm. um, I still had shame around consuming cannabis. 
you know, and I still had days where even though, you know, I'm, you know, I feel like I have a legitimate medical use and am a medical patient and have been for many years, you know, there have been days where I thought, oh, is it okay if I consume? Am I, am I being a stoner? Am I being a pothead? Am I consuming too much? Is this appropriate? Am I being a bad boy? You know, and like, it's ridiculous because, you know, like, uh, why should why should anyone care? You know, it's like if my body needs this plant or is signaling to me, hey, I'd feel better with uh, if my endocannabinoid system got stimulated. Why not do that? It's you know, it's like if you have a headache, wouldn't you take you know a, a Tylenol or an Advil or something? So you and you don't feel bad about that. So I, I think the the point is that it, it's the stigma is very deep and very very much still alive so i think it it's going to take several more years to really eradicate it do you think that the stigma will ever fade to this so it's perhaps on the same cannabis is considered on the the same level as something which is more socially acceptable say for example like cigarettes or alcohol um i Yes. In a word, yes. I, I just think it's going to take a lot more time and education and integration of the plant into everyday life. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I believe in our lifetimes, in a few years maybe even, it'll be, you know, you'll walk into a Whole Foods or, you know, a Walgreens or a big pharmacy chain and there'll either be a cannabis section or, you know, you'll be able you'll be able to get cannabis anywhere. Everyone will have widespread access. Um, I hope though that (laughs) it's viewed differently from alcohol and cigarettes because in my opinion, those are much more dangerous substances and Uh you know, they're the true gateway drugs. And uh, you know, I would love for them to be stigmatized a bit for, for their negative uh, uh, impacts on humanity. Whereas, you know, I think cannabis, you know, especially when you look outside of just the medical use and you look at hemp for industrial use, mm. you know, this is such a much more versatile uh, specimen than anything that alcohol and tobacco can offer the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recently, I actually today, I remember seeing that Pepsi has uh, announced that they're going to be exploring, looking into fusing cannabis with with their drinks, and I know that I think I saw Coca-Cola last week also announced the same. So when you when you talk about the idea of walking into say somewhere like a Walgreens and seeing cannabis products, like I can imagine Pepsi and Coca-Cola and perhaps all the other kind of food companies maybe jumping on this bandwagon once it becomes a possibility, or at least exploring the idea, it would seem anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, four years ago, that idea of a Pepsi or a Coke exploring this space, mm-hmm. you know. People would have laughed at that and thought that that was, you know, like uh, light years away. Mm-hmm. And now it's almost in an inevitability. Although I, I would have argued that it was back then, but now it's like the the momentum of legalization and commercialization has advanced uh, so much that it's you you see these institutional players that weren't ever paying attention or weren't ever publicly involved in the community or movement or industry in any way. Now they're all, you know, really beginning to get involved. Um, So I I think we're only going to see more and more of that. Awesome. 
One one area that I did really want to get your thoughts on is, is politics, mostly because it, this, in this climate it seems that it's somewhat kind of uh, paradoxical. I've, I've seen some headlines saying that the Trump administration is to some extent helping the cannabis industry, but then of course there was, like, I know Jeff Sessions is, is famous for being against cannabis, and on yeah. top of that there's recent, um, I remember seeing headlines that uh, I think a Trump official or someone within the White House stated that if anyone in Canada was to be involved uh, within their legal cannabis industry, whether it be um, for use or even investment, then they might jeopardize their ability to enter the U.S., which seems almost kind of like a illogical and nonsensical considering what's happening in the U.S. So I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are on how the industry can progress under this current administration and also whether or not it will take, a, I suppose, another administration for this industry to really take off. Mm. So, well, I think illogical and nonsensical is the status quo for the government. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it, it's... And I, I have to preface this with, you know, I'm not the most political person and this mm -hmm. speculation because I'm not in the White House and I don't know what's happening there. Um, you know, I haven't really seen this administration do much, if anything, to slow things down. You know, they've certainly talked about slowing things down, but I haven't seen any substantial actions to actually do so. Um, and as far as, you know, to take a step back, if you look at the political climate here, I think cannabis has become a safe issue, which it never was before. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, and politicians, what do they care about? Getting elected, right? So they're happy to say whatever they, whatever will get them votes. And now we live in a world where, you know, being pro-cannabis as a politician is safer than being anti-cannabis. So because of that, it's created this really... You know, like I think we've crossed this tipping point where now that you see more and more politicians than ever before being publicly supportive and also being educated on the issues and, and using it as like been a core tenet of their campaign to attract younger voters, um, you know, I, I think it's only going to accelerate federal legalization, mm -hmm. whether or not we're going to see that under Trump in this administration or if we're going to see that under the next administration, I truly can't tell you. I, I have, you know, optimistically, I, I think it's totally possible because like, you know, from what I've observed, Trump really likes to take credit for things. <laughs> and yeah. if, if he were the guy that legalizes cannabis and then he can say, well, look, I'm so great. I, I'm doing this amazing thing that's going to help people and make money. Mm -hmm. I'm such a genius. Look, I figured it all out, you know? I could see that happening. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I think it's, it's too early to really say. Um, but what, what, what's really exciting for me is that no matter what, in the 2020 presidential election, cannabis is going to be... a something that the candidates on either side have to talk about yeah. and have to have a position on. And that's never been true before on a presidential election in America. 
So, uh, well, maybe like back in the day when the founding fathers were all pro-hemp, like maybe they talked about it, but you know, this, so I, I think it, in my, in my eyes, it's, it's now really inevitable that we have to see federal and then eventually widespread international legalization. And, and, you know, one trend I've seen in the last four years is, you know, like four years ago, there was very little international cannabis business. Mm -hmm. In the last two years, there's been a lot. And, you know, with Canada beginning to export all over the world and all of these other countries that are, uh, legalizing and commercializing, or at least going forward with that, um, you know. So I think we'll see we'll see more of that. And you know, I, I think personally, as as an American, I feel bad that we're missing out on the global <laughs> by letting Canada have all the fun. Yeah, but, you know, I'm not running for office anytime soon, so I, I won't share my my political views or policy opinions here. <laughs> That's okay. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm from the UK, as you can probably tell, and our, uh, I believe our kind of um, approach to the situation is, is a little bit behind even the US. So don't worry, you're ahead of us, <laughs> as far yeah, as I, I know. Maybe you can correct me on that. You might well, be more knowledgeable. But. No, you, it's true. You guys are behind, despite having GW Pharma out there and... and mm. uh, you know, it, that just means that we should get together and start High UK. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> um, going back to High and Why, um, yeah. I know that you, you're working on changing uh, the stigma around cannabis and the cannabis industry. What is it that you, you do to help, um, I suppose, forward on that mission? And also, can you give examples of um, events you've done or, I suppose, actions you've taken to help further this goal? Yeah, certainly. So, uh, you know, on the most basic level, the motivation for me in the very beginning, uh, you know, when I described kind of what the the state of New York was then, where people were so um, unwilling to even admit any involvement with the plant, you know, my my whole original thing was just I have to get people together in real life, in person to talk about this stuff because if people aren't actually talking to other people and connecting over this shared passion or shared interest, then there is no community. It's a, you just have a bunch of isolated people who like pot. And if that's the case, you know, there's no, there's no strength in that. There's no potential for change in that. So my very first like core motivation was just to get people together to talk about the issues and to get educated because, you know, at that time when I all of this stuff, I had been a cannabis user for many years and I literally didn't know anything about it, you know, just completely uneducated. And it occurred to me that, wait a second, I must not be the only one who's like this. There must be other people who have just found their way to the plant somehow, but don't actually know how it works or why it works or anything about it or why it's illegal. Um, so for me, I, I was kind of determined to to get to educate people. And for me, you know, the second tenant was uh, empowerment. If I can show someone the facts, then it's on them to, you know, 
kind of decide if they're going to take a position or not. So for me, it's always just been education and awareness and, and trying to raise public consciousness about cannabis. So, you know, for me, I've done that with the events and some of the events, um, oh boy, I've done so many now. Um, I, I want to say like 50 ish. Um, so I'll share a few, you know, I did a, a pot and parenting panel. I've done, uh, private equity investment. I've done a bunch of different medical education and public health, uh, panels and forums. I'm, I've got the fourth annual New York City Cannabis Film Festival coming up soon. Which is, you know, a fun kind of cultural event to celebrate the community and, and the creativity that cannabis can facilitate, which I feel is a good way to challenge the stigma. Mm -hmm. uh, outside of New York, earlier this year, I did the first ever cannabis hackathon in Silicon Valley, nice. which which was very exciting for me. Um, I've had uh, confessions of a former cannabis smuggler. I've had, uh, you know, classes on how to grow, uh, classes on consumer safety and how to how to know if what you're consuming is is you know actually clean or whether it could potentially be harmful. Um, you know, I've I've done events on hemp. I've done events on on the, the tech world in cannabis and ancillary opportunities. Um, boy, I, you know, uh, I, <laughs> uh, I've had some fun. I've had some fun with it. Sounds like it. So, yeah. um, I know that you're also heavily involved in the entrepreneurial scene there in the U.S. What advice would you have for startups at this moment that are looking to get into the cannabis industry? Oh... Uh, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Why? No, hire me if you want to do it. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm kidding. Why? You know, you have to really want it. If you're going to do it, you have to really care and you have to really want to, to fight because the truth is this industry, uh, here's, and this is my belief, right? That this is the most competitive, cutting edge difficult industry to be an entrepreneur in period you know the only thing that compares I would say is maybe blockchain and crypto um, but those guys have much easier access to capital mm -hmm. which you know is an additional challenge in cannabis and and I say this as someone who before I got into this world I thought you know coming from Silicon Valley uh, I would you know, be a tech startup CEO and I would go raise venture funding and I would go down that whole path. And then I've realized, wait a second, like I could compete with the Harvard MBAs of the world or I can go into the emerging cannabis market and compete with like the passionate stoners of the world or the, you know, you know, uh, cannabis entrepreneurs, the underground entrepreneurs that don't have necessarily formal business experience and you know I've really viewed it as a, a competitive advantage coming from the background I had even though I didn't have any cannabis economy experience but um, that's changed so much and the caliber of entrepreneurs competing in this space now mm -hmm. it's no joke it's you know folks that 
have come from mature markets and mature industries and uh, have successful track records as entrepreneurs. Um, but beyond that, the industry is very complicated from a regulatory standpoint. It changes rapidly. So, you know, the regulations from six to 12 months ago might be completely irrelevant six to 12 months from now. Um, it's There's so many challenges that you really have to offer something really unique uh, and you have to be determined to bring it to life and you have to be willing to, you know, to fight for it because despite the headlines which constantly, you know, promote how much money this industry is generating and how much progress and success there is and how large the opportunity is, you know, despite all that, the reality of a small business entrepreneur or a startup entrepreneur, especially if you're bootstrapped or not well capitalized and especially if you don't have a ton of entrepreneurship background, the reality is it's going to be a very, very hard battle. Yeah. So, you know, if if you're okay with that, and you're gonna and you're gonna embrace that challenge, then hit me up. I'll help you for free. <laughs> you know, because I I want people like you involved. Yeah. But if you're you know if you think it's a quick buck or easy money or any of that stuff, then you're sadly mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's that's what my book was really all about. Uh, helping these kinds of because you know, people kept asking me these kind of questions and there was really no resource for them two years ago when I wrote the book. Um, so now I'm doing the second edition where I've interviewed 50 leading cannabis entrepreneurs and I have a bunch of now. so I'm sharing a lot of my personal uh, experience and views in this book. But really, you know, I think business is business. Mm-hmm. Like if you can, if you can build a business from zero, you can come do that in cannabis. You have a chance anyway. Um, but cannabis is unique. This industry has its own culture and values, and and the the legacy of the entrepreneurs and activists and forefathers who made this industry possible. You know, it's it's slightly if not actually significantly different from what you encounter in corporate America or mature markets or other industries. So I, I really think, you know, it is the Wild West and you have to be willing to be a pioneer and you have to be willing to be a little radical. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you're prepared to do that and step up and enter the industry, but it, <laughs> it's not going to be... Um. So I suppose one of one of the last pieces of um, information I'd love to I'd love to get from you is what advice would you have to Americans that want to further the I suppose a positive image of the cannabis industry and bring about a, a better future for the industry? Oh, wonderful question. You know, I think uh, I'm I'm going to sound a little like a broken record here, but I think the number one thing is first educate yourself and really understand the complexity and and depth of this issue. Um, you know, because it's like this plant has been an excuse to 
to put young men of color and young people of color in jail for decades and destroy communities of color. Um, you know, there's six, so millions of people, I mean, millions of sick people in America, right? There's an opioid crisis, a prescription pill crisis that was manufactured by corporate interests that, you know, people, these companies profited over, you know, the, the despair and suffering of, of many fellow humans. And, you know, I, I believe and a lot of the medical and scientific community that's educated believes that we have a safe alternative here, you know, a, a natural plant that, that can, can alleviate a lot of those problems. Um, you know, there's the environmental benefit from the hemp plant that we could, you know, have a sustainable, renewable uh, source of fuel and, and clean nutrition and, you know, uh, can replace concrete and plastics and all of these things that are, that are not eco-friendly that, you know, it's like if you care about, you know, healing and protecting our planet and our, our fellow humans, you know, I feel like there's really no pro-cannabis, but I think a lot of people don't understand the depth of these issues. And I think a lot of people see the progress and the headlines and, and assume that the, the problems are solved. But that's far from the truth because, you know, we have to basically, you know, re rebuild these institutions in, in a lot of ways, from criminal justice to health care to even education. Because, what, you know, once the plan is legal, what are we going to teach kids in school about the plan? You know, um, so I think the number one thing is for people to understand how important this issue really is and to also understand that we're living in this critical seismic paradigm shift where, where what gets decided in the next few years is going to impact the next hundred or two hundred years in a major, major way. So my number one thing for people is to just Open your eyes and, and really care because whether you've ever tried pot or not, this issue affects you. Fantastic. That's fair, very fair, solid advice. Right, so the last thing that I just want to um, pick your brains about, I remember in your TED talk you said that your your mum wasn't so keen on the idea of uh, you, I suppose, being involved in this industry. Have you managed to turn her around? Has she, has her opinion changed at all on this subject? Um, so happy you asked. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry I had to. <laughs> no, 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 please. I, this is, I'm, I'm happy to discuss this. You know, I'm, I'll start with this. My, both of my parents and my entire family have been incredibly supportive um, of my journey. You know, they, my, and my mother specifically, she said something along the lines of like, you never listen to anyone anyway, so, and you usually you know, do whatever you want. So we might as well try to support you because, you know, we know your track record. Um, <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm pleased to say that she gives me much less grief about being a consumer and about the work that I do. You know, I think in, in the beginning she was very much, 
you know, like disappointed that now when her friends ask her, oh, what's your son doing? She couldn't say, oh, well, he's he works at Google. You know, <laughs> now the answer is a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, they've seen they've seen the fulfillment that I've derived out of my work and they've they've been to some of my events even and they've seen you know the the appreciation that the community has and I, I think they they've really understand now especially as they've gotten more educated and have seen some family friends you know use cannabis medicine successfully for for serious conditions, you know, I think now they're much more supportive and understanding and even proud of the fact that I committed myself to something that I really believe in. Um, that being said, I'm still trying to get my mom to, to get high with me one day. <laughs> maybe, maybe another four years and I could figure that one out, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I think I think they've come around. Now she's uh, she's like Jerry Maguire. She just hits me with, "Show me the money. Where's the money?" <laughs> but no, I think they, honestly they've been great. They've been great about it. Um, much better than four years ago. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, it, evidently your your work is uh, is doing great things and it is doing exactly what you're hoping. It's educating people. It's showing them. I suppose, uh, giving them a perspective which they might not otherwise see if, I suppose, everyone was d- divided or the advocates for cannabis use were divided and weren't unified like uh, high and wine tents. Well, Sam, can I just add one more quick thing? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I appreciate that that phrase. Um, and for me, it's like another, here's a little, uh, another piece of advice I'd offer to entrepreneurs mm-hmm. is like, when in doubt, model yourself after the camp. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a little woohoo hippie-ish of me. It's okay because I'm a, a little bit of a hippie, if not a lot. But, um, you know, for me, one of the most beautiful things about the plant and my experience with it is, you know, and why I kind of fell in love with it when I was younger is because it revealed other perspectives to me. You know, and for me, that was such an edifying, rewarding experience. And so for me to hear from you that I've been able to do the same, you know, like I'm just, uh, that means I'm on the right track. If I can be a cannabis plant, you know, I, I want to get the whole world high off my, or off life or off, you know, just the natural possibilities of because you know the sky's the limit. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I think when in doubt, be as the plant. Be compassionate. Be inclusive. Be natural. Be healing. Uh, you know, I, I I'm sure I could think of a bunch of others, but I'm gonna stop there before I get carried away. And uh, you know, before we know, we'll be talking about psychedelics <laughs> and, and, and all these other things. <laughs> Maybe that's a cool for another podcast. <laughs> hey, anytime, man. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Mike, and um, all the best with High and Wine. Um, yeah, really appreciate your time today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, and it was great chatting with you, Sam. Super. Take care now. Bye. Have a good one. Bye.